Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light, Light of the of East. The is East. also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, along with Katie Goulas. I'd like to say hello to many of you who I've met recently who had the courtesy and the kindness to tell me you listen to us here in Light of the East and give us your compliments and comments and so on. Ran into a number of you recently. So even our recent parish, Prairie Fest. And I want to thank you for attending. Perhaps some of you heard about the announcements over this program, but we had a nice attendance and a great time. It helps our parish. It kind of is a way of evangelizing. It's a way of kind of sharing ourselves with people and also making a little bit of uh, money, of course, for our parish to pay off our mortgage and so on. You know, the usual parish stuff. Always got to raise some money. And this is a great way to do it. Most importantly, it's a way of sharing our riches. Sort of an open house. We have it as our third annual. We always have it on the Feast of the Assumption of the Mother of God, or as we call it in the Byzantine Church, the Feast of the Dormition of the Mother of God. As we open our doors and our property to the public, we often meet people, some of you might even be listening, who come up to us and say, you know, I passed your church many times, and I was curious as to what it is, because I'm Roman Catholic, or some people uh, don't have a church at all, and they'll tell us, I was curious as to what it is. It looked different, looked interesting, your grounds are beautiful, your, your prairie and so on, I see icons, it's, it's kind of different. But I was, like, afraid to, to go in. Are we allowed to come and visit? You know, sometimes I thought maybe at first, you know, you were like a Muslim or something, or some kind of a cult or whatever. A lot of people don't know what to make of us at first. Well, I'd like to try to allay some of those fears here on this program today in Light of the East. And to help you to do so, I'm going to share with you some of the riches of our church, the Eastern churches that we do every week here, and to explain to you just who we are and why you should, in fact, come and visit us. Or maybe even join us if you're looking for a church and you are unchurched or unsure or disgruntled or whatever. We might 
be the place for you. Explain some things that hopefully will help you to see us as more familiar, more inviting. But before we do that, we also have an event coming up, which also might help you understand and get a great glimpse of the Byzantine Catholic Church. In fact, the Byzantine Catholic Church at its best. And Katie Goulis is here to tell you about that event. That's right, Father Tom. I think this is one of the best events of the year for the Byzantine (laughs) Church. And the Sisters of St. Basil warmly invite you to the 76th annual pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And the pilgrimage runs on Labor Day weekend, which goes from Friday, September 3rd through Monday, September 6th. And I think that one of the best ways to describe this is that it's just really a great event for the entire family. There's really something for everybody there. There are many religious services, whether it be liturgies or akathists or prayer services, but there's many opportunities for private reflection, for confession, and for just a lot of spiritual growth. There's great activities for children. There's a small um, children's pilgrimage, and it's great to see all the young people come together. There are things for the teens and for the young adults, and as I said before, for, for older people too. So it's really just a great time to come together with other Byzantine Catholics from around the country mm-hmm. and share your faith. And for more information about this, you can visit the website, which is sistersofstbasil.org. That's sistersofstbasil.org. And once again, this is the 76th annual pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, and it runs from Friday, September 3rd through Monday, September 6th. Pilgrimage is very much a part of the spirituality of the Eastern churches, especially in Eastern Europe, and even in the Latin Rite churches as well, especially in Eastern Europe, like for instance in Poland. You see, pilgrimage had this sense of exactly what the word says, pilgrimage, of walking, traveling somewhere. Part of the whole holiness of it was in the travel, in the process, not only just arriving, but in the process. And many times the pilgrims would, you know, they truly were pilgrims. They would walk for miles and miles and pack their little sacks of lunch and supper and some little bags to eat along the way. Mostly it was very simple foods, bread and so on. And they would walk and trudge through all kinds of terrain, down all kinds of roads for great distances. And this was actually part of the whole thing, a very big part of the whole thing was that process of going to. It's like you were on pilgrimage before you even arrived. And so for us in the Byzantine Catholic Church today, we keep that tradition alive. However, of course, we go great distances in vehicles today, cars and planes and buses and so on. But nonetheless, there's still that process of on your way of, of going to the pilgrimage. And a lot of things happen in that process. There's prayer, there's singing of songs, there's a building of fellowship. So the pilgrimage tradition is very much a part. It gives you a great glimpse into the soul of the Eastern churches, especially the churches that came from Central Europe area. And we're talking about Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Poland, Ukraine, those areas. So I'd like to consider that. Mount St. Macrina, the pilgrimage during Labor Day weekend. Speaking of getting a glimpse into us, going back again to many of you who often say to me, well, I saw your church, but I was kind of afraid to go in and and, I didn't know exactly what it was. Well, a couple of things that might help you to understand or not be afraid. First of all, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, my parish in particular in Homer Glen, Illinois, our doors are open every day, all day. Of course, we eventually lock them up during the nighttime, but they're open from very early until late at night, seven days a week. And the reason is, is because we see this as part of a ministry of our church. It provides a place of sanctuary for people who want to pray. There are visitors and people come to pray all the time. There's people who I don't even know, 
There's even clergy. There's religious that come. They come just to pray. They come quietly to our church regularly and just pray, and they go home. There are visitors all the time. I've had people walk into our church and actually cry out of sheer joy that a church was open, a place of sanctuary was open for their troubled hearts, or maybe their joyful hearts, or their searching hearts. And so we keep our doors open. If you want to find out about us, do stop in. Nothing's going to happen to you. It's not a sin if you're not Byzantine Catholic to go into our church. You're going to learn something. Hopefully you'll encounter God there in a special way through the riches of our church. Now, approaching the church, and if you look at our website, byzantinecatholic.com, you can see pictures of our church and of our parish grounds, our environmental project, and so on. And you'll notice that our architecture is distinctive, and that's part of what invites people and also what makes people kind of hesitant to come in. Oftentimes people say, well, you're, we thought maybe you were like, you know, Muslims or something. Well, first of all, the fact of the matter is, and this you have to get, this is very important to get this straight. The fact of the matter is, remember, Christianity was around for hundreds of years before Islam started. So Christianity developed its own art and architecture and liturgy and so on long before Islam came. Islam is a religion that essentially borrowed from Christianity and, of course, from the Christianity that was nearest to it, which, of course, was the East and the Middle East and the Mediterranean area. And right at the center of that, of course, was the prominent Byzantine church in Byzantium. And in Byzantium, which was later renamed Constantinople after Constantine, who transferred the seat of the Roman Empire to Byzantium because he was so impressed by it, He changed the name eventually to Constantinople, after himself, of course. Then he became Christian. So it became a great, great Christian center. And it developed an architecture that involved different motifs, such as domes and arches, which eventually, when it went into the, spread into the Slavic lands, into lands of like Russia, uh, Belarus, and Ukraine, Slovakia, and so on, they took the art of the Byzantines and they modify it, but keeping the essence of it. In other words, with arches and domes. Because the dome symbolized the meaning point of heaven and earth. It was the, as we say in the Byzantine church, God bends the heavens through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He bends the heavens and comes down to earth. And so the intersection of, of heaven, which is symbolized by the dome, and earth, symbolized by the sort of the cube-shaped church, that intersection of those two motifs produced certain other motifs, like arches and rounded shapes. And those things eventually would call for and invite certain icons or iconography on them. Well, this shape, this dome shape, and as was modified in the Slavic lands to a dome that looked like, uh, we sometimes call it a, a uh, onion dome, because it looks like a kind of shape like an onion. It kind of comes up to a, a slender kind of point like an onion does, and there's usually a cross on top of it. That's the Slavic-style Byzantine dome. That dome, along with arches, are sometimes interpreted by the Western eye, the non-Byzantine Catholic eye, as minarets or being something like mosques. Well, the fact is, mosques took their form by copying the form of the Byzantine church architecture. In other words, there was a great Arab Muslim architect who came into Byzantium, saw the great church of Hagia Sophia, one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful, magnificent Christian churches ever made. And he was impressed by that. And he adopted that as the motif for Muslim mosques. In fact, we have the famous Blue Mosque, which is right down the street from the Hagia Sophia, the great Byzantine church, to this very day in modern-day Istanbul, which used to be Constantinople, and of course before that, Byzantium. So the most important thing right now on this point is 
that the art and architecture you see in churches like my own, Annunciation, Homer Glen, that style preceded the Muslim mosque. Muslims essentially borrowed those motifs for their mosques. We're going to talk more about not being intimidated, but rather invited into visiting Byzantine Catholic churches when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Pope John Paul II once said, Humanity, its dignity and its balance, at every moment and on every place on earth, will depend upon who he is for her and who she is for him. I am Father Thomas Loyer with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why are we a man? Why are we a woman? Unless we know the why, we do not know the how to be man or a woman, and therefore we do not know how to really be for each other. The why behind being a man or woman is told in the theology of our gendered bodies. Our bodies speak a language. Gender reveals God. Through gender, we can actually participate in the way that God loves us. We can love as God loves. Human sexuality is an icon of the very interior life of the Holy Trinity. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Daughters of St. Paul sponsor a monthly study group on the theology of the body. The discussions are led by Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. Every second Saturday during the month at Pauline Books and Media, 172 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, from 10.30 until 12 noon Central Time. Simultaneously and interactively video streamed live online. As you know, we are concerned about the sacramental liturgical worldview as delivered by John Paul II's Theology of the Body. For more information, go to daughtersofstpaul.com or call 312-346-4228. Welcome back to Light of the East. We're talking about becoming familiar and feeling invited to actually stop in and investigate an Eastern Catholic Church, a Byzantine Church, or even an Eastern Orthodox Church, any Eastern Christian Church. As I said earlier, we meet many people who very sincerely will say, well, I, I wanted to come to your church. I wanted to visit it. It looked interesting or intriguing, but I was afraid because, uh, you know, they, people think if you walk into their church, into our church, something like that, something bad's going to happen to you because you're not of our faith or you don't know exactly what we are. Well, first of all, when we're talking about the architecture that you'll see from the street. That's the most obvious thing, along with our prairie development that we have, our environmental plan. But also you will see, and it's this kind of stuff that sometimes puzzles me, I have to admit, for those of you who are listening, why anyone would ever doubt who we are and that we are, in fact, part of the Catholic Church. Because literally carved in stone in front of my church, carved in stone is the name Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. I have two signs out there, one either side of the driveway facing both sides of the street so that people can come there or what direction they're coming from and see this stone sign that has in it carved Byzantine Catholic. So there should be no doubt they were Catholic. It says so. Secondly, we have out there a little tradition that is very common and popular in the area where our church came from, which is Central Europe, 
they have along the road, they would have these little mini shrines. This was for pilgrims and for people walking along the road to stop and pray, just have a moment of meditation and a sense of being close to God. We have out by the street a little shrine like that. It's a beautiful little icon of Jesus Christ that faces the street, the idea being that Christ is watching over the travelers and blessing them as they go by, so they will be safe. As we pray over and over again in our liturgy, for those who travel by sea, air, and land, let us pray to the Lord. We always pray for travelers constantly. And so we have Christ looking out over them through the icon that we have out by the street. And there have been some people on those who have actually stopped and prayed before that icon, which is exactly the point. But if you understand just a little bit about history of the church, you'll understand that Islam, for instance, who oftentimes is, is who people mistake us for, Islam does not have images. It does not honor Jesus Christ as the second person of the Trinity, as God and man, as the incarnation. And so when you see an icon of Jesus Christ, that should automatically alert you to the fact that this must be, first of all, a Christian church, particularly a Catholic church, and most specifically, an Eastern Catholic church or Orthodox church. See, when you have icons, especially out by the street, facing the world, and if they're ensconced in a nice little prayer shrine area, you know that has to be an Eastern Catholic church or an Eastern Orthodox church. So we have the icon of Christ, and we have the sign carved in stone. And on top of the domes, the onion-shaped domes that are sometimes mistaken for Muslim minarets, we have a cross. Now again, Islam does not have the cross in their religion. Islam is not a religion that has imagery. It has designs and things, but not imagery as the Christians do, and especially Catholics do, and Orthodox Christians. So on top of the dome, we have five domes on top of our church, which symbolize the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and also the two natures of Christ. So that gives you five. We have five domes. On top of each dome, there is a cross, but not just any cross. It's a cross with three bars. The bottom one, of course, is slanted. Now, that also will indicate to you, again, you're seeing this before you even approach the church. You're seeing it from the street because our church sits high up on a hill, just like the gospel, you know, like the the light on the hill, the town, the village on a hill that looks out over the, the world. And these crosses have three bars, which right away indicates, first of all, it's got to be Christian and not Muslim, but specifically Byzantine Christian, Byzantine Catholic, because we use the third bar along with some of our Russian Orthodox friends. And that third bar symbolizes a number of things. First of all, the Trinity. We love to do things in three, one, two, three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the third bar represents the way that many of the followers of Christ die. They died in crosses that were upside down or X-shaped because they believed they were not even worthy to be crucified the same way as Christ. You know, many of the martyrs were crucified uh, also, just as Christ was, but at their own request. And for further humiliation, they were crucified upside down or in an X-shaped cross. So that's a reminder of that martyrdom that we share in. We share in Christ's martyrdom and crucifixion. Also, the bar slants upward. If you imagine Christ on the cross, the bottom bar, the slanted bar, slants upward towards his right, which indicates the good thief who repented and went to heaven. And of course, the the opposite end of the bar slants, obviously, downward, which was indicative of the thief that was on Christ's left. And of course, he did not repent. So we already, we have there in, in in the cross, a number of symbolisms. And the fact that we've got a cross at all should tell you right away that we are Christian. John Paul II wrote, an apostolic letter, which of course is not exactly scribbling on a napkin. It's a very important document called Oriental Illumin. And that's where we get the name of this program. It's translated in English, Light of the East. And in that document, which all Catholics should know about because it's an apostolic letter, which means it's very important, John Paul II asked that 
Catholics, especially Latin-Rite Catholics, come to learn and to know who the Eastern churches are, both Catholic and Orthodox. And he said for two reasons, to be enriched by them, as we are by the Latin-Rite Church, and also to work towards the good of unity between the both. So if you're listening to this program, and you may have been hesitant or curious about really who we are as Catholics, as Byzantine Catholics, hopefully you'll take John Paul II's words to heart and keep listening to us as we explain who we are and share our riches. Remember, the church breathes with both lungs, east and west. Don't be afraid. Come in. See us. We're not Muslims. We are Christians and very Catholic. And we welcome all of you, at least to come and visit our church. We have other riches, one of which is our liturgy and our liturgical calendar. And this day, we celebrate on our calendar the beheading of St. John the Baptist. Now, in the Eastern churches, we use, during our liturgy, uh, many beautiful texts, rich texts, in which we sing and we chant, so that our chanting and our text, the words and the music together, become our prayer. And sometimes these texts are, well, we put it this way. In the Byzantine church, we don't fool around. We like to get right to it. We talk in terms of the human drama, the truth, and also the theology that has to do with the meaning of that event. Now, Katie's going to read some of the examples of these texts from today's feast of the beheading of St. John the Baptist, which you can well imagine already is going to be rich in meaning and truth and telling it like it is. After dancing, the disciple of the all-evil Satan requested your head as her payment, O forerunner. What a bloody banquet! Would that you had not made that vow, O sinful Herod, offspring of a lie! Since you did make it, would that you had not carried it out, for it would have been better to have gone back on your oath and received life than remaining true to your oath, to have cut off the head of the forerunner. As for us, let us worthily venerate and bless the baptizer, for he is the greatest man born of a woman. Again Herodias has lost her self-control, again she is disturbed. What a cunning and deceiving dance, and what mindless drunkenness! The forerunner's head is cut off, and Herod is troubled. Therefore, O Lord, by the intercession of your forerunner, grant peace to our souls. An evil birthday and a lustful banquet is celebrated by Herod today. For having delighted in adultery and being driven by lustful desires, he beheaded the Baptist. But he could not stop the tongue of the prophet which condemned his foolishness. He spilled innocent blood to cover up his unlawful deeds, but he could not cover the voice who called the world to repentance. And if he took pleasure in the murder, we celebrate with all our hearts the death of John the Baptist. For he preceded the life of all into Hades to announce to those in darkness and the shadow of death the coming of Christ our God, the Orient from on high, whose mercy is beyond measure. There you go. Very dramatic text and tell me like it is. You know, the lustful Herod goes down as does the dancer and her mother. But also, it communicates a theology. You notice that one point there, which we don't often think about. It talks about how John the Baptist precedes Christ, not only on this earth, you know, as the forerunner, but in the next life. He dies before Christ, shortly before Christ, and he proceeds to go into Hades, where Christ will eventually go to conquer death, to conquer the power of the devil. And he goes in as if to prepare and to warn the people there that emancipation is coming, freedom is coming, just as he did when he was on earth. He preceded. That's why he's called the forerunner of Christ in the Byzantine church. You can see how rich these texts are, and they always communicate the meaning of the feast and the theological meaning. In other words, what is relevant to us today from this event that happened 2,000 years ago? The liturgy in the East and the West, but in particular the East, because of its iconography and it uses the senses so much, you know, it, it kind of 
takes us into the meaning by means of teaching. In other words, the liturgy is sort of pedagogical in, in all the parts of it, knowing the text and the chant, but in the rhythm of the service, in the gestures, the candles, the incense, the iconography, the architecture, everything kind of pulls us into the meaning of the feast and teaches us about that meaning and teaches us about the scripture, makes that event come alive. So it's another one of the great riches of the Eastern churches. There is so much to share with you about the riches of the Eastern churches and also as it is a complement to the great riches of the Western church, the Latin Rite church. But one of the things we also want to remember too, as you come to know the Eastern churches better, that for those of you who may be a Latin Rite Catholics, yes, you can attend an Eastern liturgy of any Eastern Rite. And there are many Eastern Rites, those who are in communion with the Pope of Rome. You can receive Holy Communion. And yes, it would satisfy your obligation if you wanted to, say, on a particular Sunday, attend an Eastern Rite liturgy just to experience it and to see and come to learn about your brothers and sisters in the other lung of the church. It's okay to do so. In fact, it is good to do so. The Pope has, in fact, invited you to do so. And I hope you will always feel welcome, certainly in our church of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic in Homer Glen, Illinois. So thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Goulas on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. Oh.